Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. So this morning, I just want to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to just mean it with all your heart. It's the same prayer. It's probably one of the shortest prayers in the Bible. It's a prayer... It's a request that the disciples made of Jesus. Would you say after me, Lord, teach me how to pray. Amen. It's the shortest prayer you've ever prayed, and I pray it's going to be on the back of some teaching and understanding. And when we start teaching, on, when we start practicing prayer sometimes, it's like tidying out your garage. It feels like it gets a whole lot messier before it gets tidy. You know, you had a messy garage, and then you unpacked all the boxes and all the shelves, and it just looks a whole... So I don't know what it is about... Sometimes I pray into something, and it seems like it's getting worse. And the Bible says, don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Don't lose confidence. I trust that over this last month of, of hearing about prayer, praying the right way, not praying according to our own imagination, but praying according to his word has made a difference. Don't be discouraged if at first things don't look like they're changing immediately. I'm telling you, just this last week, I've heard about three amazing testimonies, and they're starting to flood. And we're changing the way we pray, because we're not praying, Lord, please sort my child's life out so they'll learn that you love them. The Lord's saying, no, no, you love them. Let me love them. And then their lives will get sorted out. We've got to stop asking God to do the things he's told us to do. And we've got to stop repeating to God the things he already knows about us. So as we take our seats, can I ask you to open at Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles. At the same time, I want to ask the life group if they would come forward. Um, The life group on duty this morning, we're going to take up the morning offering. While I do that... Also want to draw attention to the fact that from next Sunday night, I mean, who enjoyed that time of praise and worship this morning? Wasn't that awesome? It was short, it was true, it was sweet, it was engaging, and I agree with Heather. We could just carry on. And we wanna we want to carry on. On next Sunday night, the first of July, and then the Sunday after that, did you receive this little uh, reminder when you came in this morning? It's Soaking Worship, Sunday evening, the 1st and the 8th of July. Next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, and the following Sunday night. Because we don't have the teach time on the Mondays for the school holidays, we're going to use that time to put prayer into practice by just creating a culture of, of praise and soaking worship. No program uh, unless God has a program for us on the night. So if you want to join us for that time, It will be here at the church. Also, this coming Wednesday morning, all the prayer groups that have been praying around the city will have a uh, come together, and we will have a prayer meeting here at the church amongst having a bit of worship and, uh, I don't know, coffee and just fellowship, a time of prayer this Wednesday morning at quarter past six. So we won't be meeting in the areas. We'll be meeting here at the church. And then lastly, when you came in this morning, you saw the table set up. 
Uh, we call it God's cupboard. It's a, a way we get groceries and supplies together to help people in the church that are in need at this time. So for every item you buy, that money goes into a kitty, which then refurbishes uh, the stock. So that will be on this morning and next Sunday morning. Amen. As we do that, praise God. We're going to read a... I'm sure we can do two things at once. So we're going to read a passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Bible says, And when you pray, say when I pray. Not if you pray or it's when. Jesus is assuming something by saying that. And when you pray... You should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets when they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, verse 6, I'm reading out, it might be the the ESV, I beg your pardon, but verse 7, when you pray, do not... Keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Next verse. Okay, I'm going to read out the NIV. Okay. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows, say the father knows, the things that I have need of, Before you ask him. And then he says in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray. And he goes on to teaching a prayer, which we've called the Lord's Prayer. I I don't think strictly speaking it's the Lord's Prayer, because he didn't have to confess his sins. But he was giving us an outline nevertheless. It's an Our Father prayer. And Lord, this morning as we look at what you say about prayer, you said when you pray. You said, don't go on and on babbling. You said, we, have, we are able to pray a short prayer in 25 seconds about our personal needs. So, Lord, this morning, would you give us hearts to receive and ears to hear and a, and a soul to grasp what you've got for us today through this In Jesus' name. Down in verse 16, he continues and says, Moreover, when you fast. So not again, there's a place for fasting in the scripture. And verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, that your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And then finally, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a lot packed into that passage. But I think the main point Jesus is trying to drive across now is your practical, physical needs, your everyday needs, are already known by your Father. You don't have to spend hours and hours praying about those things. He gives them a prayer in 25 seconds that cover the whole gambit of our prayer needs. If we want to spend time with the Father in worship, we can spend hours. If we want to spend time with the Father... uh, praying led by the Spirit interceding for others, let's pray for hours. If we want to just spend time in fellowship with God, let's spend hours. But when it comes to the things that we think are so important that we spend our lives running after, he says, those things are the minute things. When I'm king in your life, I will add all things to you. Amen? Isn't that good to know that he already knows what your need is? He already knows that you have a need for, for transport, for, for clothes, for food. You say, Steve, yeah, but you're speaking to kind of you know, middle-class people that could get you by car this morning. What about all the other millions and millions? I don't know about the other millions and millions, but I know this. If they begin hearing the good news and putting their faith in the same God, God is able to meet their needs the same way he meets your and my needs. I can't speak for the millions that I have. I do know that God hasn't changed and He is good and His faithfulness endures forever and forever. And He says, when you put my kingship first, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, I will take care of all these other things as well. And we've heard a lot about putting His righteousness first. Okay, if you've been in this church for any length of time, we've spoke, spoken extensively about the fact that our righteousness is not the righteousness that comes by uh, outward observance of rules and regulations. But our righteousness comes through the fact that Jesus was made to be sin who knew no sin so that we could receive a deposit, an imputation of his perfect righteousness because only Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And God says, that's the kind of righteousness that I accept. It's the only righteousness that I can approve of, and my son gives it to those who put their faith in him. So we got that part of seek my righteousness. But what does it mean to seek the kingdom first? What is this kingdom? Well, simply put, it's wherever he is king. It's his domain. The king has a domain. And when we live a life where we say, I'm going to put his domain first in my life, we live the kind of life where he adds all things to us 
as we need. And I'm thinking about this topic, what it means to put the king and his business first in my life. I remember years back hearing an acronym, and it's kind of stuck with me over the years, and it's the word first. And the F in first is finances. Is God first in my finances? You see, an attitude of it all belongs to him anyway. That is when he's first in my finances. I was speaking to a guy during the week having coffee, and he was just sharing with me just some of the about 10 years ago, lost everything, lost their business, losing their home, didn't know what to do. They were just in dire straits, got with his family and said, you know what? The same God who did it in the past can do it in the future. We can't just trust him when it's going well. It's easy to trust God when all the bills are paid and there's no challenges. We got to trust him now. It was all his anyway. And he says from that day, something changed in their family. And it wasn't overnight, but as he looks back over the years, he's just seen progressively how God has added and added. You see, when we know that it all belongs to him anyway, he gave it to us in the first place. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Money is a tool so you can get on and do the things he's called you to do. Money is not the goal itself. Getting an accumulated amount of money is not the goal. When we understand that, that it all belongs to him and we need money. And you know that he knows you need money. And God's not shy to talk about money. In fact, Jesus spends more than half of his parables talking about stewardship around money and about provision and things. Because he knows we live in this world where we need provision. In fact, it even says God will give you power to create wealth. He knows we need to create wealth. He knows we need money. And he's got no problem with us having money. He has a problem with money having us, but he has no problem knowing that we have needs and we have financial needs in our life. And part of keeping out of stingy, small-mindedness, God gives us the privilege of partnering with him in his kingdom. You see, God Almighty has invited you to personally be involved in his kingdom being established on earth. And he says, honor me. By bringing me the, your first fruits. That is a hot attitude. You know, we keep ourselves free from the love of money, which can cause much pain and sadness. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We can very quickly find out where our treasure is when we know which way our heart is going. He put that there, not because he needs our resources on earth, Well, he does need our resources on earth because he's chosen to work through us. He's not sending money with the angels to meet the needs on the earth. He does it through his people. But he has chosen to function in that way. It keeps us free from the love of money, and it keeps him first in our lives in the area of F for finance. The I in first. Keeping him first in our interests. Say interests. You see, God has created a fantastic universe with so much stuff we can discover, so much we can learn. You can go birding. You can go playing games. You can be into sports. You can be an academic and and enjoy studying and putting theses and and, 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 uh, papers together on various topics because God has given us a beautiful universe 
And there's lots of things we can be interested in. Sports, hobbies. And you know, God just wants to know that he is of primary interest in our life. He gives us all these wonderful things. Not to completely distract us from intimacy with him. But in those things we have intimacy with him. Amen? He loves it when he sees us enjoying the things that he's given us to be interested in. But he also is to be our first interest. Are we interested in the things of God? Are we interested in what he's got to say? Are we interested in the things that interest him? Because he's interested in the things that interest you. Are we, am I interested in the things that interest him? Amen? I'm not talking about being weird here now, you know, and, okay, well, God has to be first in my golf interest, so, yea, even as I dress this ball this morning and I center my attention around Jesus, who is the center of the universe, my backswing will show that I'm never going to backslide, and, 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 and I want to keep my eye on the ball, yea, even as I keep my eye on Jesus. I mean, your four ball will think you've gone insane. In fact, you probably have. No, he wants you to enjoy it and be the best at it. And he is interested in what interests you. But he wants to be first in our interests. Is God first in our interest? Or is Sunday the day we open the box and let him out and have happy hour with him on a Sunday morning? Or is he our interest all week long? And is he included in all our other interests? The R of first is relationship. This is an important one. Because, you know, we're all involved at different relationships at different levels. I love the illustration of in the church, a brick is cemented between two bricks above it, two bricks on the side of it, and two bricks under it. I mentioned this last week as well. But I want you to fix that picture in your mind that in relationships, there's always people you are being mentored by, people we call leaders, people we call coaches, people that, that we can aspire to. And then there's the two bricks on the side. they friends are, that are peers. They are people we are kind of on a level with in terms of experience. And we're all equal in God's sight. Just some have got different giftings and different callings. And, and, but they, the, they, they kind of on that level. And then we've got those uh, bricks that are placed underneath us. And those are the ones hopefully we're mentoring. So I want to ask you this morning, in your relationships, have you got people you aspire to and look to and glean from? Do you trust the leaders that God said, I'll place in the house? Do you have people around you? Because if you don't, you're going to be a loose brick on the side of the road that's going to get picked up and carted off somewhere. Become a a bookshelf collection, you know, holding books from falling over. No, God wants you cemented in relationships. And then you've got to ask yourself, who are the people that, that, that I'm a little bit further ahead of? People that, that I can uh, invest life and time in. And, you know, all of these things cost T-I-M-E. Hello? Every relationship costs time. And we've only got a certain amount of time that we have to wisely administer in our lives. But if it's just about me, myself, and I, I will miss out on one of the greatest blessings of life, and it's called community. You know that you need community more than community needs you. 
But we need community together. You've got to say, Lord, I'm willing to invest time because that's putting you first. You said make disciples. So I'm going to make that a priority in my life. I'm going to sow into friendships. I'm going to sow into uh, non-believing people's lives. I'm going to, whatever interests I have, I'm going to include others for relationship within that. But here's the thing. In all relationships, God takes first place. Come on. You can say amen to that. God takes first place. In all relationships. I remember a relationship I was into soon after I lost my, my first wife. And we were quite serious. But there was one problem. I'd kind of spiraled a bit downhill. Uh, wanted to get back into church. But my, wife, my girlfriend didn't want anything to do with church. And we were starting to talk seriously about a future, getting engaged, getting married. And at some point, I just knew that I knew intuitively. The scripture doesn't say don't be unequally yoked because it's trying to take up space on the page. And I know you can even be unequally yoked with a believer. Trust me, been there, done that. I'm not saying it only applies between believers and non-believers. But I knew that God was speaking to me. And by getting into this relationship, I was never going to fully release the potential that God had put in me to go and preach the gospel. I knew I could fiddle around you. I could, you know, flirt until she convert. That wasn't going to do the job. At some point, I had to say, I've got to be honest about this relationship. It's not what I'm called to. I'm not going to take a chance here. But let me tell you, just because you found yourself in a relationship with someone who's not a believer, and you're already down the road in terms of marriage or whatever it is, God does turn all things around for good. And God is able to meet your needs. But this was just one example to say, if he's first, does that mean you're even willing to walk away from some relationships that are not healthy for you? Come on. Don't look at me like saints this morning. I'm speaking to people like myself. We know that there's times we have to walk away from relationships that are unhelpful, unhealthy, pulling us down. And that is because we want our relationship with Jesus to be first in our lives. How are we doing in our relationships? He wants our friendships to be vibrant, exciting, life-giving. He wants you to have good friends. Come on. You know, God is a good God and He wants you to have good friends. And if you're lonely, there are people out there. And if you're single, you don't give up trusting God, that God is able to meet your needs. He is a God of relationship. He's a God of community. But He wants to be first because he wants you to be happy, blessed, and increase. Amen. That's the difference between preaching this through a grace lens and preaching it through a mixture of grace and law. Because under grace and law, it's just that God's out to get you because you've done wrong. In grace, God is saying, I still want first place, but I'm able to redeem a situation because I love you. But there are times, for your sake, you might need to say, I can't go on in this relationship anymore. Amen. Got very quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning, yeah? So the F, the R, the R, the S. The S of first. The S of first is our schedule. Say schedule. 
You see, or schedule. I, I get, there's an American and English way of saying that one. I'm not even sure if they spelt the same, but the English always try and be different. Or is it the Americans? They've always got to drive on the other side of the road. They've always got to change the rules of the game. I think it's the Americans. Anyway, schedule, schedule. First, in your planning, in your schedule. And it's easy to say yes, but let's sit down and look at your month planning. Let's see the time that you've allocated for him to be first place. Now, I know he's in everything in your life. I know he's there all the time. But there are places in our life where we call to corporate worship. And we have to schedule it or else it won't happen. You fail to plan, you plan to fail. There are times where we have to put in our schedule that I'm going to be part of the fellowship of believers. I'm not going to regularly forsake the gathering of together because I know it's important and I know that I need community and I have a gift to give into that community. If it's not reflected in our schedule, it's not first place in our life. You know, and it only takes 15 minutes of reading Scripture a day to read the whole Bible in a year. Who's read the whole Bible in a year? Eight of you. No, more than I thought. 15 minutes a day to read the whole, go through the Bible. You say, what's the point of reading the Bible? Well, you get the word into your subconsciousness. You get God's worldview of the situation around you. You're not just picking little verses here and there and waiting for Sunday so you can take God out the box and have your happy hour. No, you are regularly investing in your, your time in the word. You say, oh, Steve, that's so easy for you. That's all you do all day. I wish I could take you for two weeks. And you can come and see how much even a pastor has to contend to keeping time for God, time for the Word. I'm not talking about meetings and preparing for meetings and counseling and Bible study just for Bible study. I'm talking about intimacy with Jesus. You've got to contend for that. You've got to make a time. Uh, for me, it works early. For Janet, it works late. So we're never going to do it together. It's a joke. I find, when I, when I, I, at least four times a week, I want to do a, a power walk. I want to go at least four times a week uh, for 45 minutes to an hour and just have a good walk. Because I couldn't keep in perfect shape if I didn't do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for your confidence. Anyway, so now when I go on my power walk, I find if I plug in some ear, earphones and have the word repeatedly playing, it's going into my psyche. And I can focus my attention on it. So you've got to find somewhere in your busy life where you're able to get input from the word. I know Rich was mentioning to me he drives a lot, so he's got a CD in his car. Even a CD of good word teaching, like someone like an Andrew Womack, um, which the library's got plenty of. Just playing there. It's getting into your psyche. With Andrew Womack, you've just got to get past his twang, you know, and then you'll be fine. Now, well, God says that then you will sell my last rope, but I'll still in Matthew 6 to set up once I tip. Once you get over that, once you get over that, what he says is amazing. Amen? Is he reflected in our schedule? And then finally, 
the T in first, is tribulation. Is he first in our tribulation, in our trials, in our temptations, in our, in our troubles? That's an unusual one to end with, eh? But you know, often it's in the place of disappointment. It's in the place of temptation, the place of trouble that we run to everybody except to the one who's actually got the solution. And we walk around with these burdens and this baggage and this pain because we don't make him first in our trouble, in our tribulation, in our difficulty. We don't run to him. Are you running to him in your tribulation? Are you running to him in your temptation? Well, I want to salute and congratulate you because I don't always. And I just, last, last week, somebody divulged some information to me about somebody else. They were just kind of shooting the breeze and they mentioned what was going on in these people's life and why they offended. And, but I can't tell you how it affected me. Two, three days later, I'm still mulling this over. It felt, it felt like, like, I can't even put it into words. It felt like I got a dear Johnny from Janet saying, sorry, moving on with my life, cheers. Have a, it was that kind of like a pain you can't describe. People, I think when they go through divorce, uh, Rob Rufus always says it, whenever that happens, it feels like a divorce. Not that he's been through one, but it's painful. It's, it's a struggle. And I spent three days uh, regurgitating what this person had said, meditating on it, thinking on it. And eventually, it just it was chewing me up. And I, I like stopped for a moment. And I thought, God, I can't preach this stuff. You see, I've been preparing this for weeks now. You get it for 30 minutes on Sunday. I, I've got to actually live with this. God, and this is actually how this teaching came for this prayer time, was, Lord, I want to make you first, even in my tribulation, even in my trials and disappointments, even in my trouble. I want to make you first. I want to believe that with my God, all things are possible. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can be, but in the temptation will provide a way through it. David came to Gilgal. His men wanted to kill him because what he'd said hadn't happened. And the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. And Jenny encourages herself in the Lord. And Dave encourages himself in the Lord. And Richard, you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. you got to put him first in your trouble, in your tribulation, in that disappointment. And you've got to say, God, I'm trusting you. Because you see, my friend, when we realize everything belongs to him, the good stuff around us, the not so good around us, we can put him in first place. Because he says, when I'm first as the king of your life, When I'm first in terms of my kingdom, I will add all things unto you. When I'm first as king in your finances, I can add all things unto you. When I'm first and my kingdom is first in your interests, I will fill your life with so much uh, color and creativity. When I'm first in your relationships, when my kingdom is paramount in your mind with terms of relationships, 
You will have the most fulfilling, life-producing relationships around you. And when Jesus is first in your schedule, first in your time, you consult and say, God, I want to... Make time amongst my busyness for you. Let me tell you, he takes a little and makes it much. He can hold the sun in the sky if he has to. God is able to make little much. And even that little bit of time that you think you've got left over, you'll be surprised how it gets multiplied when he is first. Amen. And when he's first in our troubles, we come running to him. Not after three days of struggling with this opinion and that opinion. Going here to get help and go look into that. But we come to him and say, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Can I have the worship team up quickly? You see, when you, when you live this kind of life, Jesus said in Matthew 6, I will add all things unto you. Say all things. Are you ready for all things? You see, this is a, he says, pray short about little practical things, but live a lifestyle of me being the king of your life. Amen? Let's stand up together and declare that today. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the king. You are my king, and your kingdom rules over all the kingdoms of the earth. I put you first in my finances. I put you first in my interests. I put you first in my relationships. And I put you first in my schedule. And I put you first in my troubles. Come on. Give the Lord a praise this morning like you mean it.